Well, we're going to go get right underway here. Let's uh, open with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you tonight for this time together. Thank you tonight, Father, for fresh utterance, for fresh understanding, for helping us by the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our understanding, to see things as they are important to us in our spiritual walk. Thank you tonight for feeding our faith and helping us, instructing us once again in the way we should go. And Lord, we thank you that we can go from glory to glory and faith to faith. And tonight, we thank you for every need met in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, tonight we're going to go and talk about a few things here, sharing about uh, the power I felt inspired here today in studies, the power of saying, the power of saying. We hear a lot about words, and the Bible does talk about words and their importance in our life. And tonight, I think it's good that we look at some of the things that are pertinent to us in our everyday walk, especially in the times we're living in now, to understand the ramifications of us in what we're saying and how our life is governed. It's controlled by the words we speak. We either release the power of God or hinder and thwart his will and what he wants to have done in our lives. So with that in mind, I want you to turn to the book of Revelation. We're going to look at several scriptures, but Revelation chapter 12, and this is a verse of scripture that's very familiar to most. And I want you to notice what it says here. In verse 11, it says, And they overcame him, talking about the devil, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Again, how did they overcome? They overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Well, we three see three keys here speaking directly about what an overcomer's life will look like and the reasons thereof why they overcome. And tonight I want to focus in on the second one there. Obviously, we know that as a believer... It's by the blood of Jesus that we have the redemption of God in our lives. Everything is precipitated in our lives by what the blood of Jesus has done for us. And we believe that, amen? But the second thing there, it says, and by the word of their testimony. So the blood of Jesus did, in fact, seal our victory. It sealed our redemption. But one of the important ingredients in the redemption that's in Christ working in our lives is by what we say. And that's why we're tonight looking at the power of saying, the power of saying. 
And the third thing there, they loved not their lives unto death. That's important also. But when it says there, by the word of their testimony, when we testify, we're telling something, we're saying something, right? And when we are testifying, we're either testifying to a truth we've embraced or something that's happened in our life. We're verbalizing something, and it is producing results, powerful results. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's in Proverbs 18.21. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So positive or negative, our words are going to govern our life. They're going to control our life. They're going to fix ceilings in our life. Many times for the Christian, it's fixing an artificial ceiling. It's fixing an invisible barrier through which we will not penetrate because of our words. Our words release God's power when they're in agreement with God. And as it says in the book of Job, it says how forcible are right words. Well, the same thing is true on the negative side. How forcible are wrong words? Words create environments besides releasing power. Now, tonight as we look at this together and spring from Revelation 12 here and how they overcame, overcame the devil by the word of their testimony, that's how we're going to overcome in this life now. Because the faith life is the overcomer's life for the believer to which he has been called in this world through the plan of redemption to exercise his authority on this earth. Now, God can't do it for us. And we want to look at this in relationship to receiving healing, receiving finances, or any other thing that we would have need of. Prayer, maybe you're praying for your children. Maybe you're praying about a job situation or a business situation. All of these things all come down to believing in words. When we have God's word on something, that settles the matter as far as heaven's concerned. From that point forward, when we have knowledge of God's word, it's up to us to allow them to live in our life through, first of all, receiving them after we've heard them, and then speaking them forth ourselves. So God has given into his children the very ability to produce biblical results, biblical results. Now, when we say biblical, what do we mean? We're talking about the God kind of results. We're talking about the things that God wants us to have in our life, where when he 
is able to be involved in that particular area in our life, that his power is backing up and bringing the follow through to what it is we're saying, because we didn't it didn't originate with us. Now, I want you to turn and I want to look at Mark chapter 5. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. And again, we're looking at the power of saying. The power of saying. Positive or negative? Positive or negative? It's going to release ability. It's going to release either the will of God or it's going to, and I'm talking about for the believer, or it's going to thwart or stymie the plan of God. It all depends upon what we believe about it. Now, in Mark chapter 5, I want to look at particularly the story here about the woman with the issue of blood. We're going to begin reading in verse 25. Mark 5, verse 25. Now, I want you to notice with me, as we read here, we'll make certain comments as we read here, but see how the words that this lady spoke controlled, they governed, they influenced, they produced results in this lady's life. It says in verse 25, Mark 5, it says, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, so she had this condition a long time, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. So imagine that. She suffered 12 years, spent everything she's got, and she still continued to decline in her health, getting weaker and weaker. The Bible tells us in verse 27, it says, when she'd heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Verse 28, for she said, for she said, and that's a good phrase to underline or highlight in your Bible. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. It's quite obvious that she had heard of Jesus about his healing power. For verse 27 says, when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind. It's quite obvious that she heard that he was healing people. She heard something that produced an action in her life. So she came and touched his clothes, as we read on here, verse 29. It says, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Now, verse 30, it says, let's just go ahead and read this whole passage here, and we'll go back. It says, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue— or the word virtue means power, had gone out of him, turned him about in the press, and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? 
And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Now notice verse 34. And he, Jesus, said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. There are so many things to note and special, especially point out here. But I want you to notice here as we work in the reverse order, he said it was her faith that made her well, right? Now, many times people, and I had this discussion with someone here just recently, again, they were asking on the heels of making the statement that about 13 out of the 19 individual occasions in the Gospels where people, where we have the testimony of whether it's one person, two people, or a small group, where we have that individualized testimony of someone getting healed, 13 out of those 19 cases given in the Scriptures, it infers or directly says that it was based on them and what they believed. Or we might say it this way, it was based on their faith, what they believed about God. Now, you've heard me say before that faith begins where the will of God is known. And indeed, that's the case, where it's known for sure. Well, the will of God is is for us to be healed. Mm-hmm. Every time. There's no exceptions. God wants healing for his children. He wants his children to prosper. He wants their needs to be met. He wants their prayers answered. Because believers who pray and pray scripturally, again, with the pre-understanding or pre-knowledge of what God's will is, They have faith immediately. Wherever you know the will of God in your life, that's where you have faith, and your faith will put God in the mix of that situation to receive God's predetermined desire to give you an answer. So this lady, Jesus said it was her faith that made her well. And so I went on to explain to this individual that, yes, 13 out of the 19, it inferred or directly said their faith was involved in receiving their miracle or their healing. I went on to discuss with this individual the fact that many times people, and I think most of you know this already, but it bears repeating, that people hear about people getting healed or hear about someone going to a miracle service or receiving something, and they received by manifestations of the Spirit. And thank God for that. I am not diminishing that or saying that that's not a good thing at all. What I'm saying is is what we're looking at tonight in the power of saying is that that's a surefire way a bona fide way, a biblical way to always receive 
what God's promised you. It's connected to what we say about what God said. Now, most of us, we've heard this time and again about saying, speaking the word. And indeed, that's true. But tonight, we're looking at this a little bit more in detail about the importance of saying the right things and how saying the right things sets us up either for receiving or not receiving. Now, thank God when these manifestations of the Spirit happen. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about gifts of healings, working of miracles, right? The gift of faith or special faith, those what we call power gifts. But when people come to receive their healing, and let's say that the manifestation of the Spirit is not in manifestation at that time. What are the people going to go and do? Are they going to go home and be disappointed? Are they going to go home and give up on God? Well, no, they don't have to. And that's the good news. I've seen many people uh, get disappointed in the Lord because they went to a meeting and they heard people get healed in the meeting words of knowledge be called out, people receive and have instantaneous, immediate results and healing, but then they left or they saw others, perhaps they brought people to a a meeting like that, and meetings like that, praise God for them. They're wonderful. But what we're talking about today is our individual ability to connect with the power of God and release the power of God, not just in healing, Because this principle, this precept works for finances. It works for other aspects of prayer, praying in faith, just like what it talks about there in James 5. The prayer of faith will save the sick, or the word save means to heal, and the Lord will raise him up. Faith is the invisible hand that receives the power of God because power is always present everywhere, all right? Well, this in this conversation I had with this individual, I explained to them that manifestations of the Spirit come and they go. They can happen. That's of God's choosing. But we can initiate the power of God. We can initiate the Lord moving in our life by releasing faith by having faith in God and by releasing it. And specifically, when it comes to healing, there's two key components involved, if you will, receiving faith and releasing faith. We need to know how to not only get faith, which comes from the Word of God, but then also release faith. I remember shortly before Brother Hagin went to be with the Lord, back in 2003, he had said that within the, what we would call the full gospel, word of faith circles, that faith was at an all-time low. It was at an all-time low. Well, think about that. That's significant. Now, we're not talking about faith at an all-time low in the Episcopal Church or the Lutheran Church or the Methodist Church. We're talking about quote-unquote faith churches, right, that teach faith, believe in faith. 
But it's mighty easy to get away from the nuts and bolts of the foundation, so to speak, of the things that we once knew. That's why, as it says there in the book of Hebrews, that we have to be careful lest at any time we let the things that we've known to slip away from us. So tonight, we're looking at this with a fresh lens about the power of saying. Your words are going to dominate your life. My words are going to dominate my life, positive or negative. Now, with this lady, and see, this is where, again, just to touch on this one more time, in this conversation I had, is that when we understand the significance of our faith released in God and the connection it makes in receiving, then it causes us to understand that God will always do his part, but we must always do our part too. And that's why looking into and brushing up, if you will, on the power of saying tonight is important for us. In the time we're living in, this particular time, we have got the name of Jesus as Christians. We have that name that's above every name. We have a great salvation, the greatest you could ever have. We've got authority in this world in these last days. So here we hear every day, we all hear this because it's inundating us on TV, radio, whatever you watch or listen to, or most of the time for people today, it's through the internet. Hear about inflation. Hear about another pandemic is on the horizon. The government was just talking about that today. There's another pandemic. Well, well, first of all, how do they know? Right? But what this does is this incites fear in people. Then on the the financial side of it, inflation, what are we going to do? You know? I'll tell you this, I, I don't like high gas prices any more than you do. I don't like it. It's wrong. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be in this position, but it is what it is, right? But God has not left us as his people without provision. So sometimes it's just a matter of tweaking our thinking, which will lead to the tweaking of our saying that makes all the difference in the world. I mean, some places they're paying seven, eight dollars a gallon for fuel. It probably will go over ten dollars in the days ahead. It probably will. But as a believer, we need to remember who we're trusting in. We're not trusting in the government. We're not trusting in a handout from somebody. We're trusting in the Lord. And from somebody, I'm talking about, well, and maybe the government will do this or do that. Well, you know. My heart goes out, and I'm sure yours does too, to the unfortunate folks who don't know God. They don't know how to believe God, and they're just left to do whatever they can with the help of the government. But I'm telling you, we got great news from the scriptures that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And what God's done before, he'll do again. He's the one in the Old Testament we read about where the crews of oil never run dry. He's the one that made 
that axe head to float or to swim, as the Bible says. So God can do sustaining miracles, and we don't want to sell the arm of the Lord or the hand of the Lord short in anything. We want to be prudent. We want to be wise, not wasteful. Amen. But with that being said, we shouldn't be of the mindset as a Christian that, well, if gas goes up another buck, then I'm out of business. That would be saying that if it goes up another buck, God's out of business. Because for us as Christians, we think differently than the world thinks. Now, again, I'm not for high gas prices of anything. It bothers me in the sense that it's affecting people that are barely making it. It's hurting people. It's hurting people. But one thing I can tell you tonight, brothers and sisters, is the fact that God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, El Shaddai, He's more than enough. He's more than enough for every Christian in 2022. He'll be more than enough for every Christian in 2023 if Jesus tarries His coming. And so forth. So we need to remember the fact that God's on our side. But with that being said, just because he wills to do something, just because he has the provision, he has the supply to do something that he already told us he wants to do, we can't leave it up to him to follow through and do it automatically without us cooperating with him. That's why tonight we're looking at the power of saying. Your words are going to control how much supernatural of the power of God is working in your life. Yes, we're going to control that. Yes, we are going to control that. Now, you see this lady, back to this lady, particularly, Jesus said, it's your faith that made you well. Go in peace and behold thy plague. He didn't say, It was my ability that made you well. Although we do know that it was God's ability to supernaturally work in her body to drive out that plague from her body, right? We know that. We know that Jesus was already predisposed, pre-ready, and willing to heal her as well as anybody else who came to him. But the power did not flow to anyone other than this lady. Because we see there, as we read in the text, that they said, after he said, who touched me? Who made a demand upon my ability? Which was the touch of faith. But what did the disciples say? (laughs) They said, you say, who touched me? You know, the the multitude's thronging you. The multitude's thronging you. And you're saying, who who touched you? There's so many people. But Jesus knew because of that virtue that went out of him that somebody made a demand upon his ability. Now, power, right where you're at tonight, is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Power is everywhere present and available all the time, night and day. But To tap into God's mighty power, we have to do so on purpose by releasing 
faith by believing what God said. Now, as we read on this story here, this lady, as we see the whole principle of the power of saying, we notice here that after she had spent everything, I want you to notice here, look at your Bible in chapter 5, Mark, it says in verse 28, I pointed this out earlier, for she said, for she said, What she said was her faith speaking. What you say is your faith speaking. If you say, well, I don't know what we're going to do. Guess what? That's what you're going to have. A condition to where you don't know what to do. But if you say, God is on my side. I know what to do. Which is for the believer, we always know what to do. We know we go to God. We know it's always a time to believe God, to trust God. But when it comes to healing in our physical bodies and causing that healing power to flow and to be fully consummated, and I'm talking about by the hand of faith, not manifestations of the Spirit, but by the hand of faith, which we can cause to come to pass in our life on purpose, that's what we're looking at here. But our words are directly connected to the power flowing. Our words are directly connected to the power flowing. Now, I want you to notice something here. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 8 in just a moment. But I want you to turn over to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms. And turn to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. And I want to read this whole opening here. See, it's not just New Testament, it's Old Testament. In the power of words, we're going to see this. In Psalm 107, let's start in verse 1. It says, And O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Right here you have it. The power of words. The power of saying. What is the redeemed supposed to say? I am redeemed. Redeemed. I am redeemed. Not going to be redeemed. I am redeemed. See, that's significant. There is a significance in saying the right words. And the right words have the backing of heaven behind it when we're speaking what God has already declared, what he has already said. So it says here, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Well, in the New Testament, translate this over. Is our redemption past tense, present tense, or future tense? It's really all the above, right? It's past in that Jesus went to Calvary 2,000 years ago. It's present in that it is a present reality that's available to us as children of God. And looking to the future, our redemption will be fully consummated one day when we get a glorified body, when we're in the presence of the Lord forever. Right? Yes. 
So the past has present tense meaning and significance as well as into the future. But you see here, even in the Old Testament, when it says here, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, what are they saying? Whom he hath the redeemed. Whom he hath. That's past tense. When we look back at Calvary, what is that? That's past tense, right? So what are we saying about our redemption? What are we saying about our redemption? He hath redeemed us from where? From who? The hand of the enemy. Now, we looked at this on Sunday, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who did what? He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him, right? So we see healing is good. Jesus went about doing good. And what was he doing? Healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Well, Isaiah 53 tells us that he bore our sicknesses and carried our pains, and that by with his stripes we are healed. Matthew brings that out in Matthew 8, 17. 1 Peter 2, 24 says, by whose stripes ye were healed. Again, it's past tense. I was healed. Were is talking collectively. We, we all, talking about believers, in the sight of God, we were healed. We were is past tense. What's this Old Testament scripture saying? It's saying the same thing. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Amen? Praise God. There's a song about that too. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Praise the Lord. Maybe some of you have heard that. Maybe you haven't. But there is a song, and that's how it goes. But we say it. The significance is in, even as we see in the Old Testament, saying. Now, let's read on here. He's talking particularly here about the children of Israel, okay, coming out of Egypt. Let's notice here, verse 3. And gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Well, no, because they were passing through. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Praise God. Isn't that good to know? You cry unto the Lord. You reach out with the hand of faith to the Lord. And crying is not just the crying of, I wish God would do something, but I know he won't. That's not the type of cry. It's the cry of faith. It's the cry of expectancy. That I believe. Lord, that you're hearing my prayer. I believe that you're working in my life. Amen. So they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way and that they might go into a city of habitation. See, God was wanting the children of Israel to go through the wilderness and right on into the promised land. But we all know that it took them 40 years for all the ones that were full of unbelief, which was most of them, had to die in the wilderness, not ever entering into the promises of God, the promised land. Well, he led them forth 
And look what it goes on to say, verse 8. It says, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. We were talking about this Sunday. We sang about this Sunday, for the Lord is good, right? He's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. That's why one of the great things, glory to God, that we have to tell the unsaved is that God's not against you. He's for you. We got to do it God's way, though. And he's a good God. And he's able to save to the uttermost. He is able to cleanse and to purify, to wash away all your guilty stain. He is able to heal your body. He is able to bring you out of the miry clay and put your foot on the rock. Praise God. And he still is able to do that. But he's a good God. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. See, God gets glory when his wonderful works are exemplified in our life. He's glorified. And Jesus said in John's gospel, he said that when we receive answers to prayer, it's fruit and it glorifies God. Answered prayer, prayer is fruit manifested that should glorify God. So he's a good God. Verse 9, for he satisfieth the longing soul. See, God is the one who satisfies. He's satisfied. Another place it says in the book of Psalms, he satisfieth thy mouth with good things. Right? He satisfies. And that's a good thing to say. The Lord satisfies my life. He is my refuge. He is my strength. He is my provision. And he satisfies the longing souls we read here and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Glory to God. He fills the hungry soul. He doesn't keep the hungry soul hungry, but rather he filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Praise God. Verse 10, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. Why? Why? Not because they didn't have knowledge of the truth, not because they didn't have a redeemer at hand, not because God was not on their side, talking about the children of Israel, but because why? Because, verse 11, because they rebelled against what? The words of God. You ought to underline that in your Bible. Because they rebelled against the words of God. Now think about that. How did they rebel against the words of God? Because you go back to the book of Numbers and you find out when the 12 spies were sent into the promised land, we read about in the book of Numbers that when Moses sent the 12, they came back, 10 of them with an evil report, and only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, come back with a good report. Moses sent them to spy out the land to see what was there to give them a foretaste of what they would should expect once they get into that land, and 10 of them, even after seeing the huge fruit and the land of opportunity, they came back with an evil report. There's giants in the land. The giants were as grasshoppers in their sight. And what it did was it dismantled what God said as far as his promises for them. And that's why when the Bible tells us here in verse 11, because they, talking about the children of Israel as they were traveling through the wilderness, they rebelled against the words of God and contempted 
the counsel of the Most High. Why? Because God had already said, you're going to go to a land that I've said is already yours. And even though there's giants there, they're going to be driven out little by little. And as you go in there, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to possess that land. It's a good land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's exactly where I want you to be. Praise God. And yet they refused to believe, even on the heels, think about this, of coming through the Red Sea, out of the land of Egypt, out of bondage. They refused to believe that. They had already seen the faithfulness of God. They had already seen the provision of God, that God was taking care of them, providing for them, swallowing up all their enemies. And yet, what happened to them? They begin to drown in unbelief. They chose not to believe what God said was in their future. Well, what's in your future? What's in my future? What's in a Christian's future? Everything the Word of God says. Anything and everything that God's already said beforehand, as far as His promises to you and I, whether it's healing, whether it's financial needs being met, no matter what inflation is going on. And again, I'm not saying that being dismissive of the fact that it hurts people, but we got to dig in and we got to make sure that our words are in alignment with God. So no matter what plague they talk about is next, no matter what type of inflation they say is next, that God is going to take care of us. Amen. God is going to look after us. Why? Because he wants to only because of that fact. No, but because we, on purpose, believe him. Because we say, my God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But my God, glory to God in the book of Philippians, but my God shall supply my every need according to his riches and glory. He will supply, but he's going to do it as we understand and engage in the flow of the power of saying, as we say what God's already said about things, no matter good economy, bad economy, well world or sick world, it doesn't matter. What are we going to choose to believe? The Bible we just read said in verse two of this opening, Psalm 107, let the redeemed of the Lord say what? Say so. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed from every type of plague that will ever come on this world. I'm redeemed from it. I'm redeemed. Hallelujah. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of any disease. I'm not afraid of cancer. I'm not afraid of any type of virus or any type of new disease with a new name that they come up with. Because by the blood of Jesus, it was all taken at Calvary. Glory to God. Furthermore, I'm not afraid of no matter what happens financially in this world. I'm not afraid. Why? Because I'm in the beloved. He's mine. I'm a child of God. God's going to take care of me. Why? Because I believe what God said. Because I say what God said. Because my words are out there working for me. And as you say the word of God, your words are out there working for you. They're working in your body. They're working in your family. They're working on your job. They're working in your business. Why? Because your words go out ahead of you. Those invisible containers of either life or death are out there working for you before you get there. 
Where is God going to go in our lives? I can tell you exactly where he's going to go. He's going to go wherever our words put him. Wherever your words put him, that's where he's going to go. You start speaking healing over your body if you're sick or you're weak, and guess what? That's where God's going to go. That's where he's going to go to work at. You start speaking over your finances, over your job, over your business, and your, your, your investments, whatever the situation may be. You start talking about how big God is, about his vast supply. What's going to show up in your life? More than enough? More than enough, not barely enough. What's going to show up? God and his supply. God's supply is bigger than any man's supply. Glory to God. Because God is our source of help, our refuge, our rock, our El Shaddai. Hallelujah. But what do we say about him? Is God going to meet my need? If I need gas in my gas tank, what am I going to say? As I'm filling up and I'm watching the the numbers go, 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 go. What am I going to say? I'm going to, am I just going to look at it and say, man, I hate this. And is God going to come through or am I going to say? See, this is the way we have to think about things as a Christian. No, God's going to supply my every need. Does it get us out of our comfort zone? Is it something that we like in the natural that's going on? No. But guess what? God doesn't bail on us just because the price of gas went up or the price of electricity. God's going to meet our needs. Why? Because he's got a vast supply. Because he's more than enough. Amen. And I encourage you tonight, when, you, when you're praying and then you go right into praise and you're thanking the Lord, I thank you, Lord, that I have more than enough to pay all my bills. I have more than enough to, to fill up my gas tank. Now, again, I'm not saying our flesh likes it because we don't. Amen. We don't like that. We don't want to pay any more than we need to. But guess what? God's our supplier. He's our supplier. So we have to be careful that we don't misplace our trust and stop trusting the Lord. The Lord will see us all the way through. Amen. He will help us. He will help us even when to our left and to our right needs go unmet, even with other Christians. Remember, what's fixing the ceiling in our life? Do we have a limitless ceiling? Does God have a ceiling on what he can do? Only if our words put him there. You see, when we say we can't do something, we fix the landmarks in our life. When we say, I don't have strength to do something, right then we get into shutdown mode in our body. Now, that does not mean that we shouldn't rest. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't take care of our bodies, eat right, get sleep. We should. But remember, who's our helper? Who's our helper? Who's your helper? The Lord God Almighty. The Lord God Almighty. And how does he help? He helps on purpose. He helps by us connecting with him by saying what he said. When he said we've been redeemed, guess what? We side in with him and that's right, Lord, we are redeemed. That's right, Lord, you're my supplier. Yes, Lord, I got more than enough to do everything I need to do. 
Glory to God. You're a God of plenty. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you go right into Thanksgiving. Oh, you know, well, there's a new type of disease going on, you know, and I'm already standing for healing in my body about this, and now I got this to believe for. Well, guess what? It doesn't matter what it is. And the fact of the matter is, most of the time, we don't even know the full extent of what we'd need in our physical body anyway. We know enough to get us way down the road, but that's why we say, Lord, I thank you for healing from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Praise God. Because why? That covers everything. Anything and everything, praise God. By his stripes, I was healed. By his stripes, I am healed. I'm getting stronger every day. The Bible says in the book of Joel, it says, let the weak say, I'm strong. Actually says that in the book of Joel. You can look it up later. It says, let the weak say, I am strong. So what should the weak in body be saying? I'm strong. Strong in who? Strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. I can do all things through Christ. Nothing's too difficult for me. When you come up against a situation that looks like there's an impasse and nowhere else to go, you say, I can do all things through Christ. When God leads you in a particular decision direction, in a decision to do something, then he's got provision there for you every step of the way. But with that being said, that doesn't mean that we don't need to trust him and verbalize that in saying, Lord, I believe you, and I want to thank you in advance, because that is how faith works, thanking the Lord in advance for what you yet do not see in the natural. So this lady here, okay, she said, that woman, remember that when we're reading this, for she said, before she even got to Jesus, she started talking right. We've got to talk right. If you want to see the fullness of the provision of God in your life, you have to make a conscious decision to talk right. That's why the Bible, again, in Job, it says how forcible are right words. Even in the book of Malachi, when it comes to tithing, giving offerings, you can tithe, you can give offerings and still not see the full measure of potential and power on it because your words, as the Bible says right there, In Malachi, you can read it for yourself. It says, your words have been stout against me. Your words have been stout against me. So if you talk lack, lack's going to hold you in bondage. If you talk, well, uh, I'm a tither, I'm a giver, and and still I don't see, it's not working very much for me. Guess what? It's going to continue to not work much for you. But we know as believers that it does work. But how do we accelerate that? How do we see the full potential more and more come to pass in our life? Because we say, you know what? I got the tither's blessing. I got the giver's blessing. I got the sower's blessing. And you leave that, the rest of it up to God. You do what you're supposed to do in the natural. God will make sure he does his part. But let me tell you, it's not just tithing. It's not just giving. It's saying the right words. It's mixing faith in what you're doing. It's the hand of faith that's released with your words. Amen. And thanking the Lord through the day. Lord, I thank you. I got provision. I thank you. I got provision in every area. I got more than enough. I got the full measure of Christ's potential in the form of his blessings on my life every day. And you begin to thank the Lord every day about that and keep that before the front lines of your eyes. You're going to start things, see things come in on, on wave after wave, different, different ways, 
Don't try to figure out how God's going to do it. Let him be God and then glorify God when he does it, knowing that it was the hand of the Lord. It was the love of God that was stretching forth into your life that caused that to come to pass. Amen. Glory to God. It works. How about healing for your body? Same thing. Same thing. You start thanking the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Your words are working in me. Your words are working. Your words are working. What words? Healing words. Healing words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Life's in my tongue. Life's in my tongue. Let's read on here, Psalm 107. Look at this. So they rebelled against the words of God. How did they do that? Because they started despising the words God had said. God said, I want you to go on into the promised land. This is where we're heading. We're not heading to to get stranded in the Red Sea. They already knew that. The Egyptians drowned in the Red Sea. So here they are in the wilderness. God's providing. They got water out of the rock, right? They got manna every day. And yet God tells them, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. The promised land is still ahead of you. Well, it's getting hard. It's getting difficulty. You know, it's very difficult out here in the desert. But God was there meeting their every need. See, we need to be careful about that as believers in these days that we don't let our tongue trip us up, that we don't take sides against God. We have to be so careful about that because it's easy to fall into the trap of the world, to think like the world thinks, to speak like the world speaks, because we start believing like they believe. They believe that, wow, what is anybody going to do? Well, it's good to be aware of what's going on. It's good to prepare. Faith prepares, no doubt about it. God leads you. We've talked about that several times. But what I'm saying is when we do what we're supposed to do, we can relax in thanking God that God's going to do what he said he's going to do, not because he just wants to, but because on purpose, we are agreeing with what he said, not by just the actions we're acting, but by the words we're speaking. That's such an important thing. I remember, I'll tell you this story here. When uh, we all know Brother Hagen spoke a lot about faith, on the subject of faith. But one time he was praying uh, around the altar one day, and he had read the gospel of Mark on his knees. He felt inspired to do that. He got the end and he was just laying there praying in the altar of the church. And the spirit of God spoke to him and said, did you notice in Mark eleven twenty three that the word say or say it relative to the individual is mentioned three times and the word believe once. And he rose up from his seated position, and he said, no, I didn't. And the Spirit of God went on further to say to him, he said, you're going to do, have to do three times as much preaching and teaching on the saying part as you do the believing part to get people to see it. Now, what does it say there in Mark eleven twenty three? I'll read it to you. It starts off saying, have faith in God, right? have faith in God. And then that's in verse 22. But then it goes on to say in verse 23, for verily I say unto you, and he tells you how you have faith in God 
or actually how faith is released. Hold your place there, Psalm 107. Look at this. It says, for verily I say unto you, you don't count that say. And the Lord Jesus went on to say that whosoever shall what? Shall say unto this mountain. What's the mountain talking about? It's talking about a difficulty. It's talking about a sickness, a a problem in your life, a financial difficulty, whatever it is. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain or this problem, what are you saying to it? Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. There's the word believe. So we got one say and we got one believe so far, right? And it goes on to say, but shall believe that those things which he what? Saith. That's the second time. Those things which he saith shall come to pass. They haven't come to pass. He shall have what? Whatsoever he saith. So you see in that verse 23, say, saith, saith. That's three times, right? You see the word believe once. That's exactly what the Spirit of God told Dad Hagen. He said, you're going to have to do three times as much saying as you do believing to get people to see it. You're going to have to do three times as much saying as you do as you do the believing part to get people to say it, see it. So what our words release is either death or life. Whatever we say, positive or negative. That's why it's like, you know, the force of a magnet. A magnet, the opposites attract, right? On a magnet. Likes repel. Well, why? Because there's an invisible force field around that magnet that either attracts or pulls to or it repels. Well, think about that in relationship to your your own words. Your words either attract or repel the blessings of God. Your words either attract or repel the healing power of God. You say, well, you know, really, what do I believe about a situation? It's very simple to find out what a person believes, actually believes. You know how it is? How you can find out? You can find out for yourself. Very simple. When you look back what you said all day long about whatever situation was trying to dog you, what came out of your mouth? What came out of your mouth is what you actually believe. If you talked how sick you are, if you talked how weak you are, you talked about it, those words eventually register in your spirit. And when they register in your spirit, that's when you're going to have what you say. Yeah, people say words they don't believe all the time. But if they say them long enough, positive or negative, they're going to eventually register on their spirit. And when they register on their spirit, that's when they're going to produce life or death. So what did you say? What did you say about your finances? What did you say about the things you've been praying about? Maybe for a child, you've been praying uh, for a child or a grandchild or some situation in your family. Well, if you already got God's word on it and the answer, and you've already prayed about it, then you shift into Thanksgiving mode. And every time you think about it moving forward, as you begin to thank God, every time it comes to your remembrance, 
And a lot of times we all know that the devil loves to bring things to our remembrance. Amen? Isn't that true? It is true. Well, you say, well, thank you, Lord, that I walk by faith and not by sight. I believe that the healing power of God's working in my body. I believe that I receive my miracle. I believe, just like that woman with the issue of blood, I believe that if I just touch the hem of the garment of Jesus, I'll be well. And we know that she had follow-up to her words by corresponding actions. See, faith without works is dead. So when you have corresponding actions that agree with the words you're speaking, which find their basis in what God's already said, that's how you activate the power of God, the healing power, the, the, the miracle working power of God in your body or for finances. That's how you do it. So you look back, back again, case in point to what something we said a moment ago, positive or negative, Positive or negative, the words you speak, what you look back on, what you said all day long, not just thinking it, but saying it, because saying it is important. A lot of times people say, well, you know, if I just say it long enough, if I just say it long enough, it's going to work, you know, or, you know, they have this mentality, healing's a reward. Healing's a reward. If, if God's going to reward me and heal me. Wrong mentality. God will heal you because you've been redeemed. Because you're in the family of God, a child of God, and healing belongs to you. And because it belongs to you, you believe God. And that releases God's ability, God's covenant blessing into your life, say. So you look back. What did you say all day today? Just today. Not talking about yesterday or the day before, but that goes with it too. But just think back, because a lot of times we forget what we said yesterday or the day before. But if you make it a habit, it's a good habit, of saying the right words, of saying what God said about your, that healing is going to build in your body. It's going to destroy all sickness and disease because you're going to keep your tongue tamed. You're going to keep your tongue. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the tongue of the wise is health. And you're going to accelerate that healing power working in your body because God has designed it to work that way. Okay, so Psalm 107, look at this as we finish up here. It says in verse 11, Psalm 107, because they rebelled against the words of God and contempted the counsel of the Most High, right? They did it with their words. Now, skip down to verse 15. It says, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. What are we praising God for his wonderful works? The wonderful works of what he did through Jesus. Amen. We're praising him for past tense, what the Lord has already done. We read there Psalm 107 too. Let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. We've been redeemed. We, he hath redeemed us. He hath redeemed us. Amen. Now look at this. You'll see the connection here. Glory to God. Verse 16. For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in thunder. This is what God's able to do. He's able to cut through the chase, cut through the problem, cut through the insurmountable difficulties that you've got going on in your life or I've got going on, whether it's healing in our body or finances or any other thing. And he is able to, through his supernatural power, overcome it. 
overcome it by bringing a full and complete healing, a full and complete miracle, or a full and complete financial provision. You say, how's God going to do it? The good news is, my brothers and sisters, we don't have to figure out how he's going to do it. All we need to do is stay focused in on what is our part. What is my part? My word, my part is to say the right words. My part is, is to say them. And not just say them, just people think, well, if I confess the word a thousand times, it's going to happen because I'm going to, you know, play God like a lotto. No, it's not like that. What you're doing is when you speak the word of God, eventually, if you hold fast to it, it's going to register on your spirit. And when it does, it's going to produce an excitement immediately inside of you. And how you retain that excitement is, is by keeping your mind meditating on the truth of what God's already said about your life, about your situation, about what the Lord already said. And that keeps you stirred up in expectancy inside. And it keeps the switch of faith turned on. So look at this. So he's able to, he hath broken the gates of brass, cut the bars of iron in the asunder. God does that. But how does he do it? He does it in connection with your words. Your words, your words can break the bars of a castle in the natural. It can do that in the realm of the spirit. See, that's why we've been given authority in the name of Jesus. That's why it matters what you say. It matters what I say. Now, let's read on here, and we'll finish up here for tonight. It says, look at verse 17. It says, fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord. See, God's so merciful. Amen. God's merciful to all of us. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of of their distresses. Right? Thank God for the mercy of God. Thank God for that. Then verse 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Well, how did he send his word? Because they cried unto the Lord. They said, God, your promises are yea and amen. Your promises are you're going to provide for us. Your promises are that you've redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. And that's exactly what God's going to do. He not only did it back then, but praise God, he does it now in 2022. But I want you to notice as we close right now that it says there that they rebelled against the words of God in verse 11 of Psalm 107. And then look what verse 20 says, he sent his word and healed them. How do we send God now today? How do we send his word into our life to work by the words we speak? How do we send healing into our body? By the words we speak? How do we send finances into our life or to cause them to come? By the words we speak? Why? Because God gets engaged with the words we speak, positive or negative, good or bad. Because what you're doing by speaking the right things today, you are setting up tomorrow. You're setting up next week. You're setting up next month. You're setting up a year from now. If Jesus tarries his coming, you're setting up your life. You're setting it up. It's a divine setup. It's a divine setup. What God's trying to do with his children is to get them to speak the the right things. It's like when we're praying for our country. I'm praying that our leaders, most all, they need to get born again, radically saved. Amen. 
Amen. We as believers need to remember the fact that we're obeying God. And whether or not they get saved or not, we want them to. Whether they listen to God or not, we want them to. That the Bible says that when we pray, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Why? Because in obedience to God, because we're releasing our authority, we're supposed to pray for those in authority. Well, the first and foremost ones that really are in authority in the earth, my brothers and sisters, are you and I, are the children of God. We have more authority than just the politicians. Why? Because of what we're saying about our life. Yeah, they influence our life, either good or bad. We see a lot of bad things happening because of what they're doing. But guess what? What they say and what they do is not the the final thing in the whole matter. It's what we say about it. Because God is able to miraculously provide, miraculously protect, and help us no matter what's going on in the earth, no matter what year it is. Amen? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you tonight, Lord, for stirring us up in the power of saying, helping us, Father God, to remember to keep our tongue right, to keep our words right, because we know how forcible are right words. And tonight I pray, Father, for all of us that we'd put a guard over our mouth, that we wouldn't sin against you by speaking words that would be in anything less than agreement than what to what you have already said about our lives and what you want to do for them. We're not afraid of anything, and we want to thank you, Lord, as we acknowledge that as the word says there, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And we're saying it, and we're going to have it in experience this day and in the days ahead for our physical bodies, in our pocketbooks, and in everything we do in the realm of prayer, because, Lord, we know that you're on our side and you've made full provision for every step of the way in these last days. And we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.